I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAMB. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to get into... I spent a lot of time talking about how the media does not cover real stories. Spent some time yesterday on the political theater of the day. But the media is actually, there's actually a very big story going on right now. And the mainstream media is starting to talk about it. Now, it's probably 10 to 30 years too late. But at least they're giving it a, a little bit of airtime. So we're going to talk about something. And I, I want to give the media credit when they actually, talk, even Fox News touched on something that's actually important for our lives. So we'll spend a good chunk of the show today uh, laying out what it is that has actually become so serious that even the mainstream media is talking about it. But a couple other things real quick here. Uh, Let me get these out of the way. I got my quotes of the day today. I found this interesting. This is from a former New York Times reporter, Sidney Shanberg. I don't know who this is and how long ago this was, but uh, apparently at one time anyway, there was a... uh, a New York Times reporter with some discernment. This former New York Times reporter, Sidney Sandberg, said, quote, We Americans are the ultimate innocents. We are forever desperate to believe that this time the government is telling us the truth. <laughs> I've got to assume that that's an old quote. I just have to. Um, let's see. I also had another one here. Oh, yeah, this was a meme put out. And I want you to think about this in context of the first segment we're going to do here. Uh, this is a meme it says, quote, the bankers will ensure we stay in debt. The pharmaceutical companies will ensure we stay sick. The weapons manufacturers will ensure we keep going to war. The media will ensure we are all prevented from knowing the truth. And the government will ensure all of this is done legally. Amen. Amen. That's, that's the playbook right there. Couldn't have said it better myself. And so I will get into this quote of the day. Uh, the Restrict Act. I'll talk about that for just a couple of minutes here. I've spent some time talking about uh, the ridiculous ban on TikTok. Uh, It is pending right now in the form of this Restrict Act. We'll talk a little bit about that for just a couple of minutes here because this should be fought. And I have seen too many conservatives. This is actually a majority Republican-sponsored bill. More on that in a minute. I've seen too many Republicans who have been whipped up by the anti-China hysteria. I don't like China communist authoritarian government? Absolutely not. But this idea that TikTok is the problem, uh, it's just the government doesn't like uh, the competition when it comes to spying on us. Uh, A guy named Ian Miles Chong wrote this. He said, they're going to ban TikTok, and to do so, they'll pass a law that enables the government to gain full access to private data and install itself as the de facto content moderator of any platform with more than a million users. That's basically everything you use. Masterful. 
You have to hand it to them for pushing this through with the full backing of an ignorant public. Not sure I'm even going to bother fighting this except to repeat myself endlessly on how terrible this is for privacy and free speech. Can't help but laugh because it's going to happen and everyone isn't only letting it happen, but wanting for it to happen. And that's exactly what I've been witnessing. I was happy to have kind of sniffed this thing out from the very beginning. I can't stand TikTok. I'm on, certainly on record saying that. But this idea that the government is trying to protect us from the Chinese is absolutely ridiculous. Ran across this clip. Got a couple of them. Where am I here? Yeah, I'm going to let these guys talk about it for a second. Uh, what exactly the Restrict Act is, and this is, uh, I'm going to talk about the co-sponsors of this bill. Most of them are Republicans. So be on your guard. Don't let them gaslight you on this thing. Here's a good explanation of exactly what it is. I think this is the biggest bait and switch mm. that Washington, the central government, has ever tried to pull on us. Everybody thinks that they're just trying to ban TikTok from operating in the U.S. And if that's all they did, then I think the bill would be supported by most Americans. But that's not what they're doing. They're not restricting TikTok. They're restricting us. That's not the goal here. Yeah. What a bait and switch. It's a huge bait and switch. And so just so you know, what the act provides is that a U.S. citizen using a VPN to access TikTok could theoretically be subjected to a maximum penalty of one million in fines or 20 years in prison or both. Now, you know, they'll say, you know, Mark Warner, the sponsor of the legislation will swear up and down that's not the intent. But the problem is that the language of the bill is so vague that some clever prosecutor may want to pursue this theory one day. And that needs to be stopped. Also, there's another problem with the bill, which is you think this is just about TikTok. It's not. What they do is it says here, I guess they don't want to mention TikTok by name. So they're trying to create a category of threatening application. But because it is a category, it's very, very broad. So the bill states that it covers any transaction, transaction, not just an app, in which an entity described in subparagraph B has any interest and then entities described in some paragraph B are, quote, a foreign adversary, an entity subject to the jurisdiction of or organized under the laws of a foreign adversary, an entity owned, director, controlled by either of these. And then it gives the executive branch the power to name a foreign adversary, any foreign government regime that one of the cabinet secretaries defines without any vote of Congress. So this is giving sweeping powers to the executive branch to declare you know, foreign companies to be enemies. It feels like the plot of the uh, prequels in Star Wars. Well, <laughs> yeah, so they go on a little bit. But isn't that kind of amazing? With President Joe Biden right now, the Republicans are trying to hand him over a tremendous amount of power over our communications and our sources of information. And they're doing it first by scaring the bejesus out of you when it comes to China spying on you. And I've spent shows explaining the domestic uh, social media companies are doing exactly the same thing. I was encouraged to see this. I want you to listen to this. I picked on Lindsey Graham yesterday. I call him Sissy Graham. That's, I've, I've settled in on a nickname for Sissy Graham. Uh, he was on the Jesse Kelly show, and Jesse Kelly, uh, is that who this is? What is his name? Jesse Waters, excuse me. That's another Jesse Kelly's a different guy. Jesse Waters on Fox. Pretty encouraging opening here, but I want you to listen to Lindsey Graham. We don't like TikTok. Excuse me, Sissy Graham. We don't want TikTok because the Chinese use it to spy on us and rewire our brains. But we don't want the government spying on us either. Did the United States Senate just say we're going to protect you from China by spying on you? 
Let's try to get some answers out of the Senator Lindsey Graham, who supports this and is here now. You got to be kidding me, Senator. Did you read this? Yeah, I don't think I support the Restrict Act. <laughs> you don't support this because you were named as one of the supporters because this is garbage. Uh, is this the one where John, there's two bills out there? One allows a review of businesses that that are connected to China, give the secretary the ability to protect our data. Uh, is that the Restrict Act? We got S-686 right here, yeah. March 7th. Mm-hmm. And we got a bunch of Republicans supporting it because this thing is crazy town. You don't want yeah. the government looking into your private phone. No. Oh, I bet he doesn't. <laughs> I'll bet Sissy Graham doesn't want us having access to any of his personal information, if you know what I'm saying. But, uh, that's Sissy Graham. He's not even sure. This is, uh, so I looked it up. Jesse Waters said, you're a supporter of this bill. He said, oh, I don't know that I am. So I looked it up. This is on govtrack.us. Lindsey Graham not only supports this bill, that he doesn't know what it does, doesn't know the number, and isn't sure that he is even a supporter. He's a co-sponsor. Lindsey Graham, Sissy Graham. March 27th, 2023, uh, became a co-sponsor of this bill to give President Joe Biden more power over what you access for information all through the China hysteria. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, When I come back, we'll get into some of the more meat of the show today. And I'm going to start off with a very funny clip from the rest in peace Robin Williams. (laughs) I've never run across this before, but Robin Williams, I tell you, I didn't used to be a fan. A uh, good friend of mine turned me on to some of his stuff one day. Uh, and uh, turned the guy's kind of a genius, but uh, found a very funny clip from him. And he'll lead us into the financial segment of the show. We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WY. You know, I've always been a fan of Peter Schiff. Now, he ran, uh, he's, he's an economist. He's an investment advisor. He's got some great mutual funds. I'll put a plug in for him. Euro Pacific. Uh, I think it's EuroPacific.net. I'm not sure, but Euro Pacific funds. He's got funds that are invested for bad financial times. Peter Schiff is not always right on his timing. Timing's the most difficult thing to get within the economic cycle, the financial cycle. But he was certainly right many years before the financial crisis. And he's been warning. I think he did a, uh, what was the book he wrote? The Coming Great Crash, something along those lines. This year, this book may be 10 or 12 years old now. So his timing, and it's interesting to listen to him. Uh, I can hear the frustration in his voice as he tells you the logical conclusion of the policies that come out of our U.S. Congress the presidents of the United States, and our, of course, Federal Reserve. He can tell you the consequences, but you you never know when the chickens are going to come home to roost. Uh, They seem to be coming home soon. Uh, I enjoy listening to the Peter Schiff show and a lot of economic shows. I know people aren't as interested in that. And I'm not as good at them. I'm not as knowledgeable as the people that I listen to. 
But what I would like to do is be a gateway show to maybe people getting actually interested in the way that money works, the way the economy works. So you quit blaming presidents and giving presidents credit for X, Y, or Z in the economy and understand that when the bad things happen, it is the political class's fault. When the good things happen, it's because people get off their butts, they create goods and services. We succeed and sometimes bust through all of the government and Federal Reserve interference to do well. And yet what we like to do is give the credit to one man. But that's, that's not true. It is not the one man. And very few even attempt to get the government out of the way of entrepreneurs and people out there doing it. So when we're, do, when we're doing well, it is the credit to the American people making it happen. When we're doing poorly, it is because the government has overwhelmed people trying to make it happen uh, through horrific policies and particularly Federal Reserve policies. So I hope that I'm at least maybe, if, if you find any of this stuff even remotely interesting, uh, Peter Schiff does a good job of explaining things that in ways that you can understand. He gets a little wonky. I mean, the guy knows his stuff, but I've always found him to be fairly clear-spoken. And he does a lot of analogies to things that I think land well. So hopefully I am, because economics is about to be so important to people. And you're going to be so gaslit by Republicans and Democrats. As the wheels are coming off the bus, they are going to tell you it was X, Y, or Z that the other team did. That's the problem. The Republicans have the luxury right now of telling you it's all Joe Biden's fault and the Democrats' fault. And God knows they do a ton of things that are damaging our economy. But then it will shift. Power will shift. The Republicans will be in charge and the Republicans will tell you everything's going great. We're doing great, except the Democrats are keeping us back. The simple fact of the matter is both of these parties have led to what we're about to talk to talk about. And I don't want anybody to be under the misapprehension that <laughs> that is not the case. But before we do that, I'll do something a little funny. I just ran across this. This was Robin Williams. Robin Williams was talking about the financial crisis on the Charlie Rose show. <laughs> and I thought this was pretty funny because, uh, well... The junkies on Wall Street, they're about to come back and ask for another loan. Like a group of junkies who've relapsed going, listen, man, I just need some liquidity. You know what I'm saying? I just ran into some bad subprime, you know? We just had complex formulas. We just didn't factor in greed and panic, you know? I just need $805 billion by Tuesday. Yeah, no, seriously. No, I would, I would not screw you again. It's pretty crazy. I've learned my lesson. Uh, no, baby, this is not like the other time. This, oh, no, this is, no, seriously, I just, just try a guy. Throw me a bad head, baby. Just give me, Help me out. Just give me a little bit. Yeah, just a taste. That's all I need is a taste. Just, I need $2.5 trillion. I'll pay you back. Yeah, so, so there's Robin Williams. Uh, he's exactly right. See, uh, the, the bankers have gotten hooked on the monetary heroin. And when, when they start, you know, when the Fed starts getting a little stingy, not printing up endless amounts of money, well, the banks start to freak out. And we've started to see a little bit of freaking out, haven't we? And, and that's, that's where we are right now. But something even bigger is happening. And, and this, this is going to be a biggie. Now, I've... I've I've had uh, conversations with some very smart people about the topic of the U.S. dollar over the years. 
and most of them, I don't, they're not as radical as I am. I can be a tad bit of a chicken little, so keep that in mind as I tell you what we're what we're about to discuss. But when I've talked about the U.S. dollar, there's so many people so dismissive. They're oh, look, it's it accounts for something like seventy percent, eighty percent of world trade is done in the U.S. dollar. It'd take them forever to undo that. Now, there's some truth to that. I'm not even really arguing with it. To be honest with you, though, I think a lot of that runway is gone. I think that uh, this move towards dumping the U.S. dollar has been a long time coming, and piece by piece, the architecture is being put in place to replace the U.S. dollar. But now even the news is talking about it. The U.S. dollar, the dollar reserve status around the world, I think it's on the chopping block right now. Um, And I don't know when this will cause any kind of a real crisis here in the United States. There are different theories. It could be in a few weeks. There's something floating around out there. I, I see so much. Is it called uh, Operation Sandman? This is, a, this is the idea that a coordinated effort among other countries, that they are about to all of a sudden, all at the same time, start dumping U.S. treasuries. This would be bad, <laughs> to, to put it mildly. Now, whether or not this many countries have actually come together, you know, to be honest with you, I get it. I get it. With the way we have abused our privilege of having the world reserve currency, I totally get other countries going, yeah, let's 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 watch this happen. Let's all get together and take them down a peg or 20. But I don't know if that's actually true or not. If true, it could be within a few weeks we start to see some real problems. I'm going to explain to you why in just a second. Uh, but it may not be true. It could be a few months from now that this happens, or it could be a few years. Personally, I'm hoping it's a few years. (laughs) I need more time to prepare myself and my family. But I do believe it's almost inescapable at this point. I think that the the path back, the path, what the United States would have to do to rescue the dollar right now are things that our government is not prepared to do. It's controlling spending. It's stop threatening other countries. Every time they don't do something that our oligarchs want, we sanction them, we seize their stuff, or we just invade their country. I don't think the United States government, the one that we have elected, I don't think they're prepared to do the things to save the U.S. dollar, and the Federal Reserve has been actively undermining it for well over 100 years now. People still don't have a clue. So, but it seems to be happening because... Uh, the news has actually started talking about it. I don't have any clips today, but, you know, even Fox News. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you at the end of this why you're not ever going to get the truth from the news about it. But if you're not paying attention to these things, and they are important, many people might have already, oh, he's talking about economics again. I don't care, but you're going to care. <laughs> you're going to care. But the sad thing is, you know, I don't reach that many people. The sad thing is going to be watching people just flail about, listening to the politicians who tell you they're going to come save you and they're going to be blaming the other side and all of the misdirection and all of the people who didn't take time out to understand these things are going to be like like seaweed in the ocean, just just going back and forth. They don't know what's going on, completely powerless. I'm not going to let the ruling class get away with that. So most notably recently, 
I've talked about the BRICS. This is uh, this is a Brazil, Russia, India, and China. They pretty much looked around and went, you know, the U.S. doesn't really make a bunch of stuff. We've got we've got a lot of people in our countries, you know, billions and billions of people between us, and and the U.S. keeps bossing us around. Why don't we get together and form a little club? I believe that started in 2010. I could be off on my year, but just out of recollection, I think it was 2010 the BRICS nation started. And I've reported on it from time to time during the course of my show. Most recently, the the number of countries interested in joining the BRICS is something like 27, 28 countries. But with the new uh, approach to Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia seeming to be very on board with this, this is a game changer. Uh, And so Saudi Arabia is now inking deals. I believe the first transfer of a large amount of liquid natural gas just settled in a currency outside the dollar. Do you care? Nah, neither do I. Why should I care? If that's the only one, eh, no biggie. If it's the beginning of a trend, we could be in trouble. What is the petrodollar? Because I don't think most people have any idea what any of this stuff means. You know, we had made an agreement. Well, Nixon, the Republican president, took us off the gold standard back in 1971. Air quotes here in the studio, temporarily. (laughs) Any day now, we're going to get that gold standard back, I'm sure. Maybe if Trump gets a second term. He didn't get us back on the gold standard in his first term. But by gosh, by golly, Mike, he'll get us on one in that second term for sure. He's never mentioned it ever. But surely that's in his plan to restore America to its greatness. Uh, I'd be sarcastic. No president will do this because no president wants to hamstring themselves to sound money. They all love the money printing. So Nixon takes us off the gold standard in 1971. We realize, uh uh-oh, countries are kind of on to our game now. We're not serious about having a sound currency And because of the Bretton Woods Agreement, which I believe was 1945, the whole world agreed to kind of peg their currencies to the dollar. We were the strongest out there, the most reputable, the most stable. After Nixon took us off the gold standard, the rest of the world looked around and went, wait, does that mean they're just making money up? There's nothing standing behind their dollars? So we rushed to the Saudi Arabians and said, hey, it's, it's a genius move. We rushed to the Saudi Arabians and said, hey, if you will only take dollars for all your OPEC oil between Russia, I mean, excuse me, Saudi Arabia and other countries, uh, we'll give you military protection. And that's essentially what's happened ever since then. Saudi Arabia has played games. You know, we've gone out and attacked their enemies like Iraq and Iran. And, you know, we're kind of the, the pit bull for Saudi Arabia. We've protected them, even though they're accused of horrific human rights abuses. And most recently, we've helped them bomb the crap out of the poorest country in the Middle East, Yemen. But the Saudis, I think, have seen the winds of change. They realize that Americans' military dominance, since we've lost every war we've fought since World War II, they're starting to think, you know, we could probably get some pretty good protection from the Chinese and the Russians. Uh, we, we're, they're fair-weather friends. I mean, they did give Jared Kushner $2 billion, and they were very cozy with Trump and all, but I'm just here to tell you, they're not your friends. Just recently, they cut, uh, what was it, 1.5 billion, excuse me, million barrels per day. Uh, you're you're going to start paying for that at the pump. 
They've never been our friends, but we had this kind of, you know, the parasites in Washington, D.C., and the, the thugs in Saudi Arabia, they kind of got along. It's like a criminal class. They kind of buddied up together. Saudi Arabia sees the winds of change coming. This unipolar world where the U.S. controls it all, we're not long for that world, and we shouldn't be. Probably one of the worst things that ever happened to the United States was that we were the sole superpower. As much as they want to tell you it's patriotic to believe that, um, we abused it so badly and used it for such nefarious purposes uh, since the Soviet Union collapsed, I think we deserve to have it stripped from us, and we'd probably be better off for it. Somebody keeping us in check a little bit, right? Maybe we could have saved the $8 trillion that we spent on Middle Eastern wars if there was another country that went, uh, we don't think you should do that. Anyway, the Saudi Arabians are fair-weather friends. They're starting to buddy up with India and China and Russia because they realize the way things are going. So we've had this deal since 1973. Fifty years. Fifty years. This has meant that countries around the world needed U.S. dollars to import OPEC oil. And that means that a lot of times what they would do, they buy U.S. bonds. They would essentially loan our government money. This created demand for U.S. dollars. It created demand for our bonds, which also kept our interest rates much lower than they probably would have been. If in 1971 we said, hey, we're not going to back our currency with anything anymore. The gold is just an old relic. We're just going to print up as much as we want. Then a lot of countries probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have wanted to use the dollar anymore, right? Until they had to. And now they have to. So for 50 years... This has been going on. But here's the problem if it stops. Now, because people have needed U.S. dollars and U.S. bonds, you know, they don't take suitcases of $100 bills over to Saudi Arabia. Uh, a lot of times they will transfer U.S. bonds. They'll buy our bonds. They'll send the bonds over to Saudi Arabia to, to uh, settle oil transactions. I think there's several mechanisms that they may use this, but it has created a, a need to have uh, U.S. bonds because, you know, if a country buys U.S. bonds, it also spits off more U.S. dollars in the interest we pay, right? So they get a bond, they get, you know, 3% on it. That's extra dollars that they have that they can go out and they can, they can buy oil. Now, here's the problem. If, if they decide they don't want them anymore, right now we've been able to put our bonds out there and just say, hey, loan us money for 10 years, we'll pay you 3%. 3% is not a, not a lot. But other countries have said, well, I mean, we'll get a little bit of return. We have to buy the bonds. We need the dollars anyway, so we'll go ahead and buy them. If people don't need to buy these bonds, they don't need U.S. dollars anymore, the U.S. is going to go out there and they're going to say, hey, somebody, you know, loan us money for 10 years and we'll pay you 3%. Now, recently that's been tra trading up around 4%. But, but a lot of countries, if they don't need the dollars anymore, they'll just go, nah, that's all right. We're good. And the U.S. is going to have to go, because, you know, understand our politicians are never going to stop spending money they don't have. They need to constantly be borrowing money. They're addicted to money the same way the junkies on Wall Street are addicted to uh, money. And so the Washington's going to have to go out and go, uh, I, I tell you what, we'll give you 5%. The countries are going to go, eh, nah, we're good. We're able to get oil. You know, China's giving us a better deal, whatever. All these countries we've been essentially forcing to use our currency to buy our bonds, they're going to start going, nah, we're good. And the U.S. is going to go they're like a junkie. Uh, how about 6%? Uh, I tell you what, we'll pay you 
You can't get a better Come on, baby. You can't get a better deal than that. 7%. And so what you can see is that we will no longer really be in control of our bond market. Other countries may set the, set the tone because the U.S. will just be another country offering bonds. Now, I'm not saying nobody will ever buy them. As of right now, today, knock on wood, we're still known to be the, the safe haven. I'm not even sure why that's the case anymore, but we're known to kind of be the gold standard of bonds. We always stand behind our bonds. Now, part of that is because we've got a central bank. We'll always pay our debt payments because the central bank can just print it up. Of course, that means we're devaluing the dollars that you and I have in our accounts every time they print up more money, right? But anyway, uh, this has been 50 years this has been going on. And, and what I want to make sure, my, my main goal of even talking about this is not necessarily to explain it to you. I think it's important that people know that this is serious and that it's real. But the main reason that I talk about these things is to make sure that you all need to know who will be responsible for the dramatic fall of the United States dollar and the tremendous hyperinflation that will take place when it is finally dethroned. Because what the news is going to tell you, what your political heroes are going to tell you, is it's some other guy's fault. They're all going to pretend like they had nothing to do with this, or they'll give you the, oh, who could have seen this coming, when the reality of it is that this should all lay at the feet of the entire political class, both political parties, and of course the Federal Reserve, which both political parties have enabled, have encouraged, have benefited from. Have you benefited from the Federal Reserve? You have not. They have. The oligarchs have. The air quotes here in the studio, elites have. You have not. Both parties have used this demand for U.S. dollars since World War II to throw us into unpayable debt. Both parties. The Democrats, through their domestic spending and now their war spending, now they can't shovel money to Ukraine fast enough. And the Republicans, with their war and military spending that they convinced conservatives was worth bankrupting us over. <laughs> conservatives in the United States, and I, I, I used to be one of them too, I guess we're a lot like Soviet citizens back in 1990 when the the Soviet Union was about to implode, but they were telling you it's patriotic to make sure we've got the biggest, baddest military in the world. The conservatives are just former communists being tricked by their regime to go into endless debt that will ultimately destroy your country. And, And don't forget that when the Republicans are in charge, it's not just warfare, They also have responsible for banker bailouts. They're responsible for things like Medicare Part D. The government gets bigger every time a Republican uh, Congress or president is in the White House as well. We, We like to talk a lot about the Democrat spending, and it's worth talking about. It's obscene. It's ridiculous. But the Republicans, they're right there with them. There is no difference. Both parties have used the privilege of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency to also threaten and attack the economies of other countries. This is why they're getting together. If other countries did not go along with our plans, they were targeted. They were sanctioned. They were bullied. And they are sick of it. Now, this was, has been done of, under every single administration for the past 30 years for sure, and it's, it's much longer than that. I mean, we overthrew the government of Iran back in 1953, Operation Ajax, in order to get 
Western oil co- uh, companies into Iran to take their oil away from them. So it's, this has been going on for a long time, but this dollar reserve, this endless sanctions, endless sanctions, endless threats, cutting people off of SWIFT, we have abused this horrifically. This includes also, and I hate to do this, I hate doing this because I know it turns some people off, the trade wars as well. Trump's trade wars didn't help this situation either. China certainly got a little more serious about de-dollarization when they realized that we're, and I'm not saying China's fair with their trade in any way, shape, or form, but it is the American approach that you go along with the way we, our oligarchs, say to do things, or we will destroy you, overthrow you, invade you, sanction you, crush your economy. You will hear American politicians in both parties talking about how we really took it to Iran a few years ago, right? told you how bad their economy's doing. We're really crushing their economy. Well, that's karma. And I think that karma's coming home to roost. So do not let your chosen party convince you that it was the other side that created this nation-changing crisis we're about to go through. Because if you do let them get away with that, they will be the ones still standing with your approval as they create the new system. And let me just, a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, uh, one party will be in control and they'll get to corrupt it first. But the other party will go along with it. It doesn't matter which ones. And then the other party will get control. You've noticed this is just a big, fat ping pong game. The other party will get in there. They won't undo anything the other party did. They'll just add to the corruption for their benefit of the new system that they're going to roll out on you. Because you never held them accountable. Democrats need to hold Democrats responsible for it. Republicans need to hold Republicans responsible for it. You need to police your own, or we, they are going to take us into a new system that may make, <laughs> that may make this one something we, we pine away for, even though our standard of living uh, has been declining for decades now. And more on that in just a second. The GOP won't tell you that they caused this through their militarism and their bullying. They'll tell you that Biden made it worse, which he did, especially with the Democrats' endless spending and the attacks on Russia that has really prompted the acceleration of this stuff. But they won't tell you, the GOP won't tell you that Trump's endless sanctions and trade wars caused this as well. They'll leave that out. So that you think, so that you think if you stick with them, they'll fix it going forward. Can anyone fix anything if they don't admit the problems that broke it in the first place? A couple other things along this tract uh, when we come back. And one terrible trend for the American people. Oh, dear God, no. I'll do that when we come back. Stick around. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Boy, I'm going long on this, but it's so important. This is, a, this is a tough one to do inside an hour. There's so many things, so many things that can go haywire if the dollar is actually toppled as the world's reserves currency. Now, maybe it happens slow. Maybe I'm chicken littling here. But what will happen to the purchasing power of the dollar, and, and you can watch this DXY is the dollar index. You can watch that for any signs. It hit a high of something like a, like 109 in the past year. 
last I saw was around 102. Not a big deal, right? I mean, we're still suffering inflation. Funny they don't even really talk about inflation anymore, do they? It's not really even a topic anymore. Now we got the Trump arrest and, you know, all, all the distractions. But the inflation will get markedly worse. Watch that DXY, and when it goes under 100, and then it gets to 96 and 92, understand that is the dollar's value dropping. It means everything that we pay for uh, imported goods, the cost of those is going to go up on top of the inflation we've already seen. So there's a whole lot of things to do, uh, I mean, that could happen with this, and I don't have time to get into them all. Uh, but here's one of the consequences to the American people that I wanted to point out. This is a disaster in the making. <laughs> this, this is bad. This is a bad one. Uh, I'm going to start probably doing some health shows, maybe just for podcast, or maybe I'll pop one on to WYAB from time to time. But this is a health disaster that is going to be a consequence of the financial disaster. I have before me $35 of groceries from Dollar Tree, and this is everything I'm going to be eating this week. The only things I have that are not shown here are oil, salt, and pepper, and that's common practice with any of my budget grocery videos, is that those are the only household ingredients that I consider to be staples and that I use in my recipes beyond what I have purchased at Dollar Tree. This there you go. Americans living on $35 a week getting all their food from Dollar Tree. And this is a video. I'm looking at what this woman has laid out in front of her. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a diabetic buffet. It is nothing but a bunch of starches. Everything in is a bag or a box. There is not a fresh piece of food in front of her. Cans, boxes, and bags. And see, this is what's going to... I mean, So not only at a time where we may be having financial difficulties, we're going to be having even bigger health challenges than we have now. And they're not minor now. I tell you what, if you make a priority, if you want to invest some money, I'm not saying listen to me for investment advice. My timing is terrible. I've got to tell you, though, the last few buys that I made uh, in my son's account, I'm actually doing quite well. <laughs> As the wheels, I'm like Peter Schiff, investing for the wheels to come off the bus. But if, if you want to take any advice from me, feed your family good food first. That's one of the most, you do not want to be sick during a depression. There's going to be enough of that going around. Uh, and you want to steal yourself mentally. This $35 disease buffet, this is what's going to happen to the American people. This is actually very sad to me. It really is. It's incredibly sad. And, and this is why if Americans caught a clue, caught a clue about what's going on, we wouldn't be suffering the indignities of a Dollar Tree menu each week. I could do a whole show just about this. I may at some point. Got to take a break. I'll be right back. dark you can't see the end. Skies cock back. Shock at which can't defend. The rain then sends dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power suggestion. Then with the eyes shut. Looking through the rust and rotten dust. A small spot of light floods the floor. And pours over the rusted world of pretend. And the eyes ease open. And it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. And the top I stop. At the core I forgot it. All right, final segment. I don't have a whole lot of time. Um, I don't know what this means exactly. You're talking about, you know, just some things to pay attention to. I know I probably shouldn't even get into this. The derivatives market. They say it's over a quadrillion dollars or maybe something higher than that. I saw a list recently of this is a derivatives exposure by some of the banks. 
those junky banks that are going to be coming back to us for another big round of bailouts. If you think the banking crisis is over, you're wrong. It is not. Um, and, and look, I don't want any of these things to happen. I don't. I'm not ready for that. I don't want my kids to have to go through it. But I, I am somewhat thinking, let's do it now before it gets worse. If we had done it in 2008, if we'd let the system, if we'd let capitalism actually take place and people who are irresponsible and made bad bets and risky uh, bets had gone out of business, we wouldn't be in this mess now. Instead, we propped them up, Republicans and Democrats. Propped them up. That's why we're back here. So my whole point of this is quit letting them duct tape this thing together because it just makes it worse. It's like your health. If you don't go to the core and fix it, it's just going to continue to cause you problems. Here's some derivatives exposure of some of the big banks. Goldman Sachs has $53,221,000,000,000 in derivatives exposure. JP Morgan, $50 trillion. Citibank, $47 trillion. Bank of America, $19 trillion. Wells Fargo Bank, $12 trillion. State Street Bank and Trust, $2 trillion. HSBC, $1 trillion. Bank of New York, uh, Mellon, $1 trillion. Now, derivatives are, in are interesting, confusing. Uh, derivatives are just contracts between two entities on something. A lot of times it's, uh, they say, you know, they insure each other. So a lot of these things kind of cancel out. But there's no way that a, over a quadrillion of derivatives get unwound without some pain somewhere. Somebody's going to be on the wrong side of some of these contracts. So when they say a quadrillion, it doesn't mean that a quadrillion just goes up in smoke. Some people, they hedge things so they might win on some of their derivatives positions and lose on others. But somebody out there, this is going to tilt the, it's going to tilt some companies into some trouble. They make money on these contracts when they come up with the contracts. It's a way for them to generate revenue. Sometimes it costs them money to do these contracts. They pay almost for like an insurance on some of their assets. So it's, it's very confusing. It's very intertwined. It's unregulated, which as a libertarian, I kind of like. <laughs> but only if you let the people who got on the wrong side of these things actually go bust. Then the next time... They start to do these things, they'll stop and think, wait a second, I could cause my entire company to go bust. As it stands right now, they just do a quadrillion in derivatives contracts knowing that if they, well, well, we'll be a little heavier on this side or on that side, and we know if it causes any real problems, we'll get bailed out. That's what they know right now. Republicans and Democrats will bail out the big banks, and they'll tell you they're doing it for your own good. I don't know if you've noticed, none of this is for your own good. It's not for my good. It's not for your good. It's for their good. We've ultimately, we've got to stop them. That's all the time I got today. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.